Welcome everyone to Do Well and Do Good. You're here because you have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. I'm your host, Dorothy Ilson, and I'm here to help you discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. everybody and welcome back to the show. I am so excited to introduce to you today's guest, Jonathan Kaiser, founder of Kaiser, a commercial real estate firm and author of the Wall Street Journal number one bestseller, You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win. Now, before I tell you more about Jonathan, today's episode is brought to you by Needles Eye Media, the premier media buying partner for seven-figure personal brands and other digital product businesses who are looking to scale their customer acquisition with paid traffic. So if you or someone you know has a business that is currently spending at least $10,000 a month or more on paid traffic, but you need that partner with the strategy and execution to help you scale, reach out to me or head to our website at needleseyemedia.com. Now, without further ado, my guest Jonathan Kaiser grew the organization sharing his name into the largest occupier services commercial real estate firm in Arizona. But he then realized that the cutthroat industry had really turned himself into a, a version that he didn't really like. So tired of sacrificing his values for success, Jonathan became a champion for conscious capitalism and an example of how embracing a selfless service approach to business can actually be the shift that propels you to even greater heights. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on. And congratulations on your book, Ruthless. You don't have to be ruthless to win hitting number one. That is amazing. Yeah, it's a bit surreal. Thank you. It's, uh, you know, with the message in it, obviously it's embedded in the title. You don't have to be ruthless to win. Um, You know, a lot of people think that they resonate with that message, but it's been cool to see the demand and the interest and Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's exciting to watch it take off. Well, so before we dive into the content of the book, set the stage for us. What was life like for you growing up and what was the mindset around success and money that was instilled in you as a child? Sure, sure. So I actually had a very unusual upbringing compared to most of your listeners. Um, I was actually a Christian missionary kid and I grew up in Papua New Guinea of all places. And I watched my parents give all their all for others. They just loved and served and helped and everything they did was about other people. And they taught me to love and serve. The problem was when we came back from overseas, I had this stark realization that we were broke and I had no concept of that before. So at an early age at 11 years old, I decided I do not want to be poor like my parents. I want to be rich. And so I decided then, then and there, that I was going to do something that was going to make me rich. So I got into commercial real estate because, uh, not because I wanted to help people, but because I wanted to make a lot of money. Mm. And as I got into commercial real estate, I realized really quickly, wow, I mean, this is a cutthroat, take no prisoners industry. Everybody's scratching, clawing and fighting their way to the top. And I said, okay, I mean, if this is what it takes to be successful, I'm in. Because again, I don't want to be poor like my parents. Mm-hmm. So I became this ruthless guy. And, uh, and truthfully, I'm um, kind of a motivated individual. So I became more ruthless than most. 
Um, and I was having some level of success, but I was miserable. I was misaligned with my core values. And, and I, honestly, I felt trapped, Dorothy. I felt like the success I wanted was only available through the ruthless door. And I didn't realize that there could be a different way. And then 15 years ago, I went to this conference and this guy gets up and he starts talking about service and about helping other people and succeeding by doing so. And I'd never heard anything like it. And I was fascinated. And I went up to him afterwards and I said, okay, man, is this really legit? Like, are you really doing this? Or is this just some <laughs> shtick you do to sound good on stage? And he said, no, this is really what I do. And I've been able to be successful doing it. And I said, well, how? Like, how does that work? How do you actually create success by helping other people? And he likened it to farming versus hunting. He said, today, Jonathan, mm -hmm. you're hunting. And you have to go and get up every morning and uh, get your next kill. He said, what I'm describing is planting seeds, nurturing them, watering them, and over time, they yield fruit. And, uh, and I said, is this really possible? And so I decided right then and there that I was going to uh, reinvent myself around this philosophy. It really resonated with me. I, I'd felt all my life like my parents were so full of crap that this idea of serving other people just led to the poorhouse. And to actually have this ideology that, wow, maybe I could be successful and love and serve people. It was, it was too good to pass up for me. So I came back to Arizona 15 years ago, tore my traditional ruthless business plan up and started helping everybody in the community. And it became like this free community concierge and people thought I was nuts. I mean, here I was national rookie of the year for Grub and Alice. And now all of a sudden I'm uh, asking everybody, how can I help you and joining nonprofit boards and just getting involved and trying to serve. And it was a long, hard road. When I, ha when I heard that speaker and I went up to him afterwards, one of the things I asked him was, if this is true, if this actually works, how come no one else is doing it? <laughs> and his answer was pretty telling. He said, because it takes too long. And I said, well, how long is too long? <laughs> take you about five years. And I went, okay, now I get why nobody is doing it because five years is a long time. So for me, that reinvention process took exactly as he predicted about five years. And in the meantime, everybody around me thought I was crazy. Uh, you know, even my wife at the time was, was like, okay, man, this, Jonathan, you're smart. You work hard. Why are we so poor? And I'm like, just trust me. I'm up to something. I'm up to something. And after five years, just like the speaker predicted, I started to have success where people were referring commercial real estate clients to me, right? We're, we have a commercial real estate firm today that represents tenants that helps users with their space needs. And at the time, I was just a broker at a traditional firm, spending very little time brokering deals, which is what I hypothetically should have been doing and spending all this time helping people. But I started getting all these referrals from companies who said, hey, when you took care of my my mom and you helped her get a job. That was so cool. And I, I, would you help us with our real estate? I'd love to have you help us. And so that just started this crazy growth of referrals. And I went from laughing stock in the company to top, top producer. And then I had a new problem, which was now I was having trouble scaling this newfound uh, success within a traditional ruthless environment and industry. And so in an epiphany moment, 
in 2012. And I can still remember it like it was yesterday. I was frustrated. It was up in Sedona. I got up early in the morning. And Sedona is a great place just to go think, you know, it's just peaceful and whatever. And so I'm sitting there in the, in the hot tub, just staring at the mountains, just kind of frustrated. And, and it just hits me. It's like, Jonathan, you're thinking too small. This, you have the opportunity to actually teach others how to do what you've learned. And what if you could create a culture of others that believed the same way and acted the same way? If you did it enough, you could actually change the industry. And so I got excited and I decided right then and there that I was going to focus on transforming the commercial real estate industry by proving that you didn't have to be ruthless to win. And I grabbed my, my little notepad and started writing down uh, all of the things that I hated at first. First, I wrote all the things I hated about commercial real estate. And then I made a list of all the things that I wished were true about commercial real estate. And out of that list, we created our 15 core operating principles here at Kaiser that govern all of our behaviors. And now today we have the largest uh, firm of our kind in Arizona and one of the fastest growing in the country. And it's just surreal because when I first started, people thought I was nuts. They, they thought I was nuts being by myself and doing this, much less saying you're going to transform the industry and, and save 2,500 brokers who are in miserable situations all across the country. And, uh, and so today, it's a, real, it's a real surreal experience for me, but it's, a, it's something I take very seriously, and it's something where all of us at Kaiser are focused on creating extraordinary success for our clients and for our partners um, and doing it through you know, creating success for the organization for Kaiser um, through helping other people. And so it's so neat. Like my mom for many years, she, you know, shook her head worried about me. Um, and now I've come full circle, right? So the, the, the prodigal son, so to speak is, has returned and, and now my mission in life is to show others that truly you don't have to be ruthless to win. And I wrote the book to teach other organizations how they can do this for themselves. The book's not, not a commercial real estate book. It's a book about how any leader can transform their culture, their industry through selfless service and still be successful. What I'm trying to piece together for people is this idea of you, you don't get trampled if you do the right thing, you can actually win, but there's a process for how to do it. And that's what we teach. Mm -hmm. You know, it reminds me of that old Zig Ziglar quote, you know, you mm -hmm. can have everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. And it's, it's certainly a, a much happier way to live your life. Right. You know, so yeah. uh, could you just briefly for us, um, kind of set the stage a little bit more of what commercial real estate is like traditionally. So when you say that people are ruthless, they're cutthroat, you know, what's the behavior like in that? Sure. Industry? Well, rather than paint a picture of other people, how about I just tell you an example of what I would do? <laughs> sure. Um, so I remember like it was yesterday walking into an office building to cold call, right? How we would do it is we'd, we'd, to get business, we'd walk into buildings and try to meet the CEOs and tell them how great we were and whatever. So I walked into a building to cold call and I met this sweet older lady named Judy 
who had this fast growing technology company. And she's like, Jonathan, your timing is perfect. I have a fast growing company trying to hire 30 employees a month. I've nowhere to put them. I'm out of office space. Your timing is perfect. Can you help me find a new space? Which for me, I mean, that's about as ideal of a commercial real estate client as they come. So I was like, why, yes, I can. So <laughs> signed her up and got to work immediately looking for properties for her to lease. Now, I knew I would make more in commission on certain properties. So as part of my standard process back then, I only showed her properties that would maximize my commission. And if anybody dared advertise not a full commission, those ones just magically didn't make the list. Um, even if the perfect property was, you know, right across the street from her and at half the price I wanted, I cared about me, right? So she had no idea. She's not in the commercial real estate industry. She didn't know what market was. And so she just trusted me to show her the best properties. And instead I'm showing her the most expensive. And then once I talked her into one of the most expensive properties that had the highest commission, I then convinced her to sign a 10 year lease oh. because I knew I'd make more commission the longer the lease. And if, if for any fast growing company out there, especially that kind of emerging company, which is a lot of your audience, uh, that's obviously the worst thing you could possibly do because you have no idea where your business is going to be in a year, much less yeah. 10 years from now. And that, that kind of liability just creates all kinds of problems. Over half of corporate bankruptcies involve breaking some kind of lease. So the stuff matters. So a 10 year lease for Judy and an expensive property was the worst thing for her. But I didn't care. All I cared about was me and my commission. And I think all of us can find examples like that in their own industries, right? That, that, that was my example for, for how I was with a client. I also had lots of examples of how I was internally with other brokers. Remember one time I took a colleague named Jeff out for drinks and my whole goal of that was to get him drunk and pick his brain on all the problems with one of his buildings that he was listing. And then the next day I went back through that building, taking all these things I just learned and trying to talk all of his tenants into moving out of that building. And so I'd make a commission. So everything was about me. Everything was about what could I get out of it? How much can I, can I make? And you know, the collateral damage I left in my wake, it didn't matter to me at all. It was all about what puts the highest commission into my pocket. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just fascinating. I read, I think it was in the, the intro to your book, you mentioned, uh, you know, a colleague who took a meeting for someone who had a sick kid and then mm -hmm. he went into the meeting and just convinced the, the lead to sign with him instead. I mean, it's just, it's, this is obviously, you know, talking about commercial real estate as an example, but just like you said, I mean, this happens no matter what industry. All the time. In everywhere. I just happen to be highlighting it in commercial real estate. Yeah. And what's been so amazing to me, Dorothy, is how many people from other industries. I mean, everybody right. in commercial real estate comes to me and is like, man, you actually were gentle. You should have said what really happens. And I'm like, well, you know, people can kind of get it from all the yeah, examples yeah. I give in the book. But it's right. amazing to me how many other industries and how many other uh, ruthless stories I've heard since I've started. So I think I'm really tapping into something that matters. Um, and my vision is for, for, for people to be happier. I mean, at the end of the day, people aren't happy being ruthless. I went to uh, a funeral the other day for a broker that died before his time. And how about I just call him Joe to protect his identity. Um, it was sparsely attended. People struggled to say nice things about him. 
And it was a dramatic reminder to me of the downside of ruthlessness. You know, one of his mm -hmm. kids didn't even attend. He died because of alcoholism. Uh, he was yeah. on his third marriage when he died. Everyone knew he was a shark and his ruthless actions kept him from significant, meaningful relationships. So he spent his life working to make money and pay for things for his family, but instead lived a life of hardship and stress because of his decision to be ruthless. And so mm -hmm. my, my whole me message is not don't be ruthless because it just is the right thing to do or it feels good. You already know what the right thing is to do one way or another. What I believe, Dorothy, is that people know how to love and serve, but they're, they feel trapped like I used to feel. They feel like whatever they do at home, you know, loving and serving their community is different from how people behave at work. And so they feel like they have to leave this skill set behind at home and go to work and be tough and fight, fight, fight for number one. When in reality, what I'm, all I'm saying is that same skill set of loving and serving people that we all know how to do, that we embody in our home lives, we, you can transfer that to your business and still have material financial success, but it's nuanced, right? It's, it's the how, like how do you actually do it and not go poor? Because we all know plenty of examples of people who are just taken advantage of and, and are not successful doing it. So that's what I've tried to do in the book is teach people, not only you don't have to be ruthless to win, but here's how, here's the tangible how you can actually do this for yourself so that you can create extraordinary success for your organization. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, everyone needs to go pick up a copy of your book so they can really get the full story here. But, you know, what are some of the, the high points of this actual implementation? You know, how can people start to think about, uh, you know, creating this kind of a culture both in their own careers personally and, you know, across their organization? Yeah, no, I love that. Here's what I think. I think that at the end of the day, Selfless service is simply taking who's in front of you and instead of being focused on what you can get out of it, be focused on how much you can put into it. So if I were going to summarize my entire message down to something, it'd be that. Now, obviously, it's more complicated than that because you have to, you, you have, to have a strategy because we, you only have so much time. So what I'm not telling people to do is just Anybody that asks you for something, say yes and spend all your time doing it. But think about it like this. Let's say that you didn't change anything you were doing as far as your meeting schedules, the people you already have to go talk to, potential clients, potential recruits, whatever it is, right? Partners. And in those same interactions that you already have scheduled, if you tried to find three different ways that you could serve or help that person that had nothing to do with something in it for you, if you just did that everywhere you went, you'd be amazed at the transformation that you would find. And while that seems so simplistic, for those that have tried that, it blows them away how much it unlocks relationships. See, what I found is that most people spend their time trying to convince other people that they should do whatever it is they want them to do. But those people are automatically by our, by our, you know, in our culture, people are automatically skeptical. They're automatically looking for the angles, right? So, so they, people pick up on that fast and it makes people be defensive. And so 
the only way that I've seen to really effectively unlock people is to demonstrate through your being with them and, and, and mindset of service that you truly care and that you truly want to help. Now, here's the, here's the hard part. You can't fake it because people have really good bullshit radars, mm -hmm. right? So part of why it took me so long, and now today I teach people much, much quicker, but it took me so long, and I write about this in the book, I had to go through my own personal transformation of realizing that I was still manipulating when I was serving people. I was still expecting something in return. I was still doing something with the anticipation of a response, which if you really think about it, it's kind of creepy. It's like, it's, like, <laughs> it's like bartering without disclosing that you're bartering. It's like pretending to give somebody something mm -hmm. and then being upset if they don't reciprocate. So my whole, my whole philosophy is if you just love and serve the people that if they were impacted by you could benefit your business or could benefit in some way your organization, you'll be amazed at how fast that unlocks opportunities. Mm -hmm. But again, you have to be real. You have to be authentic. And that's part of what we talk about in the book is this three levels of reinvention, right? Reinvention from the inside out. The, you have to self, right? You have mm -hmm. to be the change you want to see in the world. That's Gandhi, right? And then company culture, creating a company culture of selfless service. And then your external collaborators, your community, your partners, your clients, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Just as you've been talking, I'm, I'm kind of thinking back in my own mind to moments, moments in my business where, you know, I think I was doing that in some way without even really realizing it. And yeah. I, I'll give you one, one example. Uh, I, so I have a digital ad agency, so we run paid traffic. And I had a client who uh, shortly after we started working together, we were you know, probably two or three months in and he had his, uh, his Facebook business manager got shut down and it was because he had had some, um, some inactive ad accounts that I wasn't added on. So I didn't even know these accounts existed, but, um, because, uh, because they were inactive, Facebook shut him down and, and they ended up shutting down his, his business manager. And this wasn't my fault. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't blaming me. There was, there was nothing I could have done about it. Um, but his business basically came to a grinding halt and, and he was paying me, you know, I think eight or $10,000 a month at that point. And so, um, so I ended up saying, you know, Hey, let's, let's just reduce, you know, let's reduce things down. And I dramatically cut my retainer so that we could get through this month and, and get things back up and running. And he didn't ask me for it, but he was incredibly grateful. And now, yeah. you know, looking back, he's been a client for, you know, two plus years paying that, you know, $10,000 a and month. And he's probably referred a ton of other business to you as well. Exactly. And so, you know, I think when we do this, you know, even, even when it does mean a short-term monetary hit, that's one thing, but it doesn't always have to mean that, you know, I think when you talk about, you know, how can I help this person? How can I serve this person? It could be something as simple as they mention, you know, oh, gosh, you know, we've, uh, we haven't gotten, you know, email newsletters out this month because our, our copywriter quit or whatever it is. And maybe you can introduce them to someone say, Hey, I have a referral for you or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so, you know, I'm curious, you had mentioned Jonathan that the speaker who you originally, you know, got this idea from said it took five years and that mm -hmm. was, you know, how long it basically took you. At now that you've, you know, you've been teaching this, you've been seeing other companies implement this, this type of strategy and, and really just, you know, way of living, um, how can we shorten down that window so that it doesn't take five years for us to see the results of this in our business? 
Yeah. Yeah. That is exactly what we teach in the book through these uh, 15 core operating principles and the three levels of reinvention. I mean, the whole idea of it is, so let me give you a little backstory. So when I first wrote this, this, this book has been a work in progress for eight years and I wrote a rough draft of it in 2013, but number one, my company wasn't big enough yet for me to launch it. Um, and number two, I still, I still wasn't in love with it, but I pre-printed a few thousand copies just so I'd have some rough drafts. And I, I gave them out to people and I said, Hey, here's my story. You know, there's a few typos in it and whatnot, but just review it and tell me what you think. And I'm open to any and all feedback. And one of the biggest pieces that came back was Jonathan, there's not enough how to in this book. It's inspirational. We like it, but it needs to be more prescriptive. And so that's what we've really Mm -hmm. done with you don't have to be ruthless to win is we give you everything that I've learned over the last 15 years on how you can create it for yourself. You see, I was inspired by a speaker, but I didn't have a roadmap. And actually that leads to the point that I think is most important is to why is this not more prolific? If this works so well, if I'm not utterly full of crap, why aren't there more people doing it? Why isn't this the the status quo? And I believe it's because people don't know how. I think people conceptually get it, but there's no real good examples in business of people that are creating successful businesses by doing it this way. And so, I'm not a talking head, right? I'm, I'm in arguably the most ruthless industry in the world. I'm having to prove this day in and day out, trial and error, and we're succeeding. And so how did we do it? I put it all into this book so that anybody can say, not that their path's gonna be identical to mine, because it won't be, but they can A, see that, oh wow, there's somebody actually doing it. Maybe I could do it too and then giving them everything in my toolbox for how they can do it for themselves. And then for those who want additional help, we also created the Kaiser Institute to train, empower, and ultimately certify the next generation of selfless leader. And we've got some really cool curriculum to help people that really want to go through this transformation process, right? So could it be done on your own? Yeah, of course. That's why I wrote the book. Buy the book. It's cheap, 20 bucks. Read it, implement it, do it yourself. But if you want additional help and you want to shorten the timeline on how you could actually become a selfless leader and create this for yourself, that's what the Kaiser Institute is for and we'd be happy to help. And we also have a ton of free resources. Uh, If you go to ruthlessbook.com, tons of free resources. I actually have some cool hacks on the commercial real estate side too. So um, if if you email me, uh, I'll... I'll, I'll send you a free copy of uh, 10 ways that your landlord's taken advantage of you so you can be prepared. And I'll also give you some negotiating strategies. So again, we're just here to serve. But at the end of the day, there's, there's, there's my mission here at Kaiser. My mission within me that I get up every morning is I want to change the business world. I want to definitively prove once and for all that you truly don't have to be ruthless to win. And my vision, my, my dream, what I can see in the future is a world where people, the best and the brightest, selflessly help each other, regardless of personal gain, understanding that it's in their own personal best interest to do so. So they're not doing it to get something, but they're doing it believing that the universe cannot handle an imbalance. And the more you give, ultimately the more you get. And if you look across all philosophies, 
all religions from the beginning of time, they've all embedded that philosophy. And so I'm trying to make that more accessible to the business world, which is like the last remaining holdout on, you know, that somehow that hasn't matriculated into. It's absolutely inspirational, Jonathan. I mean, what you've created at Kaiser, you know, in your own business, and now, you know, what you're teaching to other people through your book and through the Kaiser Institute. Jonathan, it truly is the, I would argue, you know, the most important mission that one could have, you know, inspiring people to just be better humans and to treat each other in the way that we want to be treated. I mean, I gave that example of, you know, a time when I did implement something like this, but I can also look back and find examples of myself when I didn't behave in this way and when I did, you know, maybe make a decision that was self-serving. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can all find those moments. And so your book couldn't be more important. You know, I, I really appreciate you for bringing this into the world. And for anyone who wants to know more about Kaiser, uh, you know, the Kaiser Institute, who wants your help with this, or they just want to pick up the book, where can they go to learn more? Sure. Ruthlessbook.com. Um, is where you can get access to all of us. The name of the company is Kaiser, K-E-Y-S-E-R. You're welcome to go to that site as well. Um, you know, if, if you're interested in um, learning more about the Kaiser Institute, you can get access through both of those sites as well. Um, maybe if it would be useful, I could share one or two examples because one of the biggest questions that I get is, okay, Jonathan, I, I got your examples about how you were ruthless. How, how do you actually serve people in a way that, that, that is different? You know, like, what do you mean by service? And so I gave some examples, right, of helping people find jobs or helping people find a doctor, whatever people need. But maybe a specific example relative to my business, and then people can draw parallels from that. Please. Um, I, not that long ago, we were hired by a rapidly growing retail franchise concept with a really brilliant founder named Marissa who had stumbled on something really neat. And she hired us because she'd been frustrated with the traditional brokerage firms and felt like she wasn't able to find sites. Like it's a common thing you'll hear is, man, I, I can't find sites that work for my requirements. Now, you heard my example before on part of why that is. Um, but as we dug into the research, we quickly found that the national brokerage firm that was representing her were only showing her their properties or properties that paid the highest commissions, right? And so we, when we came back to Marissa after a couple of weeks and showed her a whole bunch of options she couldn't believe existed, it, she was blown away. And she said, how is how is this still the norm? You know, how, how, how come I have a business that's almost going under and I didn't know about you guys and I had to be referred to you guys. And so that's part of what we're doing here too is, you know, what if you could actually have a commercial real estate broker that you trusted that actually was in it for you that actually cared? You know, I mean, I remember one time we had a we had a presentation and we spent a lot of time preparing for it. And Nancy was the CFO and she was just an awesome lady, but she ended up choosing our competitors. And, you know, that's always disappointing when you don't get a piece of business. And what most people will do in that instance is they'll just write that person off, right? They'll just say, screw her, you know, man, we, they don't, they never, they, they never want to take personal responsibility for it. Of course not. It was always somebody else's fault, but then they just kind of let it go for us. Like, like 
for me, I'm here to serve. And so I kept her on my radar and I check in every once in a while and see if there's anything I could be doing to help her. And about nine months later, I hear about this amazing CFO job opening that would be perfect for her. Now, most people would be like, no chance of my telling her because she didn't hire me and I'm going to go put somebody that I know will hire me in there. I called her up and I said, I think I found a, an amazing job opportunity for you. Um, she ended up getting the, the job and she was stunned that I would help her. She was, she was stunned that I would actually try to help her get a job that, that was a much better fit and made her more money and all that stuff. Long story short, she ended up bringing us in and hiring us. And she said, and her comment was, Jonathan, at first I couldn't tell if you were full of shit or not. And then when you helped me, when I'd already chosen your competitor, I realized, wow, you actually care and you're actually here to serve. And so I think that's the mindset we want to teach, right? We want to, we want to show people that this is the long game we're talking about. We're not talking about short-term instant gratification success. If you're listening and all you care about is tomorrow or next month, uh, switch podcasts because that's not what I'm describing. What I'm describing is creating long-term, truly sustainable success where by helping others succeed, you can succeed. And if that's of interest to your organization, we'd love to talk to you as part of the Kaiser Institute. And if you're sick and tired of a commercial real estate broker that is not up to snuff and that you feel is not delivering, we'd love to talk to you there. But again, the mission is we want to change the world. We want to prove that truly you don't have to be ruthless to win. And so I'd invite everyone to join us on that mission at a minimum, pick up my book. You don't have to be ruthless to win uh, and join us on this journey. Amazing. I mean, this, this isn't quid pro quo. This is, this is the no. long game. This is, uh, you know, this is a, a way to live that is um, truly, you know, a lot more fulfilling and uh, a lot a lot happier than the other options. So, you know, Jonathan, I really can't begin to thank you enough for sharing all of this with us today on the show. It's been so much fun to have you. It's my honor. Thanks for having me, Dorothy. All right, everyone, that's our show. Now, before I sign off, I want to genuinely thank you for giving me this gift of your time and attention. If you are getting value from the podcast, the most helpful thing you can do is leave a five-star review and share this with your friends. It truly means the world to be able to spread this message with you. And I'm so grateful for your help. So with that, I hope this episode has inspired you to go out there and do well and do good. And I'll see you back here next week.